12th of June in the year of our Lord, 2023, and it's just coming up to 10 o'clock. Me and Catherine are back. Hello. Hi. Yeah, we're back. We've had a we've had a bit about a week off. Kat's been obviously heading books as usual. I've been trying to work. Um, but anyway, we're back. Today's guest, I am delighted I met him. I also managed to get five minutes alone with him uh, to discuss his question in Parliament. I am talking about Andrew Bridge, an MP, former Conservative, now with the Reclaim. I spent, I managed to see him at the Better Way conference last week and after Lawrence Fox and him put that question together with regards to the rights of parents, um, he went and asked a question in Parliament and the response with regards to, to parents' rights about, you know, whether they want to keep these children, let their children listen to the disgusting education. Mm. Um, the following week after that, Kimberly and that were denied the right to of, of appeal. So I did let Andrew know he was very angry. He was very approachable, very kind. He had a superhero welcome when he turned up. I mean, I don't know how many politicians actually get that with people clapping and getting selfies and they were queuing up. They were queuing up to see him. It's a bit like what we saw on the, bar- the dead barristers. You know, the barrister comes out, no news crews, but a load of money. <laughs> yeah, down. yeah. And this is what Andrew's, this is what it's been like for Andrew. The people are behind this man. And I am delighted, Kat, that he's going to join us. How do you feel about that? I'm really excited as well. Because, you know, at the end of the day, there is, he is actually doing something. He's, he's put his neck out. He's, he's doing something and he's asking the right questions. So I'm really a lot excited more than for anybody this. else. Yes, lot. absolutely. So I think we should get him on, don't you? I think we should. So without further ado, Mr. Andrew Bridgen. Good morning. Um, we obviously met last week at the Better Way conference, which was incredible. Um, did you enjoy it? Um, it's always refreshing to go to a conference. And um, obviously you were um, surrounded by like-minded people. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good for morale. And hopefully I gave an uplifting speech for the audience. Um, so we move forward. And of course, you know, every time it's you're out on social media, more people realise what's going on and the movement increases, doesn't it? Indeed. So let's talk a little about you, Andrew, because I know how precious your time is. Um, what got you into politics? Uh, oh, I was a successful businessman in my constituency. Um, I'd given money to the Conservative Party in 2005. I'd served as a voluntary position as chairman of the Institute of Directors of the East Midlands. I'd met a lot of uh, Labour politicians and ministers during the Tony Blair years. I thought the country was on the wrong track. And oh, yeah. what, what used to happen was I used to go on a Friday night to a, a local pub and meet a lot of other small and medium-sized business people, and they all moaned about the state of the country. And every Friday it was the same story. And so eventually I turned around and said, well, there's no one else, it's going to be us. So if you all stand for the council... I'll run the campaign. I'll stand for MP in a seat that we're told the Conservatives can never win. And uh, we'll take over and then we'll turn things around. And, and quite honestly, that's what we did, Lou. So we st- stood for the council in 2007 for North West Leicestershire. Uh, and I got the nomination for 
the next general election, which turned out to be 2010. And we took the council with the biggest swing in the country in those elections. Um, and we've held on to it um, ever since. And we've turned what was the poorest part of Leicestershire, northwest Leicestershire. Um, a lot of it's uh, a former coal mining town of Colville and its villages around. Um, we turned that from the poorest part of Leicestershire to the richest in 10 years. So we're the only part of Leicester, Leicestershire and Rutland with above average UK salaries now. Brought a lot of business in, a lot of new uh, factories and industrial estates. We built new houses and the whole place has, has changed remarkably. It was very good that in 2019, before the last general election, it was the happiest place to live in the Midlands. Wow. And the reason for that is... Um, there are plenty of jobs. There's 1.2 jobs for everyone of working age in the constituency. So a lot of people have to travel in to work in the businesses in our area. Um, we haven't put council tax up uh, by the district council in 15 years. So it was the longest council tax freeze in the history of the UK. Um, and people could get a job, be reasonably paid, probably get a partner who's got a job who's reasonably paid. Between them, they could still afford to buy a house because uh, we built enough houses to make sure our house prices are still sort of 20-odd percent less than the UK average. So that's the sweet spot for my constituents. They're, they're paid reasonably well and the house prices aren't too high. So they have enough money to pay the mortgage, pay the bills, go out on a Saturday night and have a holiday. And quite honestly, that was what most people want to be happy. So they weren't asking for much. I don't think we delivered anything that was spectacular. But somehow or other, uh, we pulled but it all together. But you offered the right things and you delivered on them. Catherine, we, I think we're living in the wrong area. We, deli I, we delivered I was just going to say that. We need to move, don't we? <laughs> and, also, and also, bear in mind, we, we built um, on top of all our old coal mines. So when the coal mining industry shut down in sort of 91, 92, there were huge tracks of, uh, of northwest Leicestershire that looked like the Somme battlefield. Well, since then, over 35 years, there's sort of um, about six million trees have been planted. Some of those are 30 odd years old. And um, and the whole place, we've got now 23 percent tree cover. So we're part of the new national forest, the heart of the new national forest. And, you know, northwest Leicestershire now is a, is a beautiful place to live. It's the only hilly part of Leicestershire. So we've got a few more hills than, uh, than, than the rest of Leicestershire. And uh, we've got all the best, well, most of, 40% of the best businesses in Leicestershire are actually in my seat. And we're only one-tenth of the, of the whole uh, county. Um, so, um, yeah. Amazing, amazing. We've got, we've, got, we've got East Midlands Airport. There's about eight and a half, nine thousand 9,000 jobs there on the industrial states around that. Yeah. Uh, we've got Donington Racetrack, so we've got uh, that, and we had the download, got the download Festival, which is, doubles the population for a weekend with an extra 100,000 people, 110,000 people coming in. Uh, we've got the M1 and the M42, which run through, so we've got very good communication links. Uh, a third of the jobs are distributional logistics, and I'm a qualified transport manager, so that's uh, that was very useful that, uh, yeah. that I'm aligned with the major major jobs in our, in my constituency. So at the 2019 election, uh, there were six candidates on the ballot paper and uh, and I got 63% of the votes. Wow. Um, That's well huge. That and huge. so everything was going great. And then, and then COVID came along. <laughs> but do you think it started going downhill before then? When, do you, when did you start seeing the cracks? Or were you all all right with everything that was going on? And it was it the, the COVID that's you, that's what made you start in seeing the cracks on how deep and 
dark this is. Well, previously, I was unhappy about a number of things. Um, I had I'd uncovered the post office uh, sub postmaster scandal over the Horizon oh. situation. Yeah. Within weeks of being an MP, I was approached by two constituents who were involved in that, and I, I got involved in investigating that for more than 10 years, and it took 10 years to prove they were all innocent, and what my constituents were some of the first nine to have their convictions overturned. But, I mean, after, after two years of investigating, I knew they were all innocent, and it's amazing, Lou, that I had all the evidence to prove they were innocent and I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to go on the TV or no newspaper would cover the stories. It's very similar, very analogous to, uh, to the, uh, the vaccine harms we're seeing now where I'm cancelled from the media. Uh, I also uncovered the, you remember the uh, exploitation of labour in the garment industry in yeah. Leicester? Yes. That was mine. Um, and wow. again, again, I told the government about that two years before COVID and there was no interest whatsoever in exposing appalling working practices in the garment industry with people being paid £2.50 and £3 an hour, well below the, the national uh, minimum yes. wage and living in very, very harsh conditions. Um, so I, I'm, you know, my concerns had, had built up and built up. But yes. I always considered that when I looked at the leadership and, and we've had a few, I've seen a few prime ministers come and go, obviously. So David Cameron... Theresa May, Boris Johnson, and um, and I always thought, well, these things don't make sense. I, I I voted against HS2 every single time it's ever come to the House of Commons. It's a disaster. I yep. told them it was going to be a disaster when they first put it forward. I said it was going to cost over a hundred billion. It was at thirty-two billion, I think, to start with. That was an underestimate. It's one hundred and sixty billion. And uh, you would know what you're talking about when it comes to this and travel well, and travel. Well, also, it went, it went straight through my constituency without stopping. So we were having all of the pain for none of the gain. And it was actually sterilising 20 miles, 22 miles of my constituency, straight through the middle, two football pitches wide. Uh, and you know, loads of factories we could have built and houses were, were not allowed to be built because you've got to keep this land for HS2, which I had no confidence it was ever going to be built. And I still have no confidence. I don't think it'll ever be built anyway. No. Um, so so lots of lots of things. But I always thought, I mean, I looked at the characters that were supposedly running our country and I thought, well, the, it's got to be cock up because these people aren't bright enough to run a conspiracy, quite honestly. Um but then when you when COVID came around and the science just didn't add up, the masks, the mandates, the lockdowns, you know, it put it, it, despite being the happiest place to live in the Midlands, it put my suicide rate up over 300% during the lockdowns. These people were just collateral damage for Operation Fear to drive compliance with a deeply flawed government policy. And uh, I became very disillusioned. I also uncovered a whole load of corruption um, in 2021, um, I had a whistleblower come forward from the, um, the civil service who was working in track and trace. Yeah. And they identified, a, they claimed £860 million worth of PCR tests, which, uh, which had disappeared from stock, which had been paid for by the NHS. Eight hundred. But it didn't really million. work anyway, because the mask, it says on it, they won't stop viruses. I mean, the whole... Yes, but, but but what I'm saying is that these these were paid for by the NHS, were in and stock. They vanished. they vanished, and uh, 
no one and we wanted an investigation to where they'd gone and because they could be resold anywhere in the world um and um, my whistleblower's computer was blocked off the same day we made the allegations and he was dismissed from the service within a week and there was no investigation and uh i began to lose faith and then also then um you know party gates and it was clear that you know number 10 who were privy to all the science about the lockdowns and the risks they weren't bothered they weren't doing social distancing they weren't doing um they weren't doing masking um they were having parties um so my belief in the whole system collapsed at that point and that's when i came out in early january and, and said that boris johnson had got to go yeah yeah. And the thing is, you've been cancelled, Andrew. I mean, Catherine and I, we get cancelled because we're talking about certain issues that don't get lit. But we're cancelled from total social media. I mean, you've obviously your platform is a lot different to ours, but it's anything you're standing up. And we Catherine's a vaccine researcher. She has been since way before COVID. Um, and I've been dealing with the child issue now for 13 years and we talk about the subjects. We not we we we've got no um, financial gain. We certainly don't don't start coming into this for a financial gain. We lose everything. I'm unemployable now, um, as is Catherine because she's been so upspoken over the years because she's properly researched um, vaccines and what they can do. Um, but now here we are, and it's. I mean, what I was dealing with the institutionalised child abuse. And the grooming of children, you know, from coming out of children's homes and then being sold and, you know, Nick Clegg. Well, we, we, of course, I was well aware of that. I'd investigated Keith Vaz. And obviously we had um, Greville Jana was Leicester West. That's only two <laughs> seats away from me. I mean, uh, there were 28 victims uh, waiting to give evidence against him before his yeah. untimely demise so before he gave uh, evidence in court in his finding of facts hearing you were supposed to go to um no it's um it's all linked in it's all Andrew, linked in. just to ask a second andrew about jana didn't he claim that he was um the onsets of dementia and couldn't go to trial but was actually still still sitting in the, still, still in the house of lords claiming 300 odd pounds a day yes tax free he was Crazy. and i and i had a, an interesting when he when he died uh in strange circumstances um mm. i i'd had a, a school visit to the, the the school at the very top of my constituency uh, I'll, I'll not name it uh, a little junior school and I, I met the headmistress there and we were talking about things after i'd done the school visit and and she she said to me that well, you you never know do you at the time i said well, what are you trying to tell me she said well i actually started my career as a student teacher in leicester west that was jana's seat and he was the mp and she said when you look back now it was so obvious he said because he came round to the school and he always offered a prize for the best piece of work which he judged and the prize was a day in parliament with him no. and i now realize said for 10 yeah. years i was at that school he always gave it to a little boy Oh, my goodness. I just got goosebumps. Um, I know. What I was told about what goes on in the House of the Parliament um, and the evidence that could be collected from that place. <laughs> um, well, of course, of course, we, 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 we actually had a prime minister who was a paedophile. It was yeah. Edward Heath. Yeah, yeah. And Edward Heath. I still deny it to this day. Mm. I still get challenged. And it's but that, well, that's, not, that's not true because if you – that's not true. Um, I, I – I worked with Mike Veal, who was destroyed as the, he was a, 
probably the most honest policeman I've ever met, naively honest. Joined the police force at 16 and worked his way up to chief constable. And he got to do that investigation, Conifer. Yeah. And there was, the evidence was compelling. Mm. But of course, uh, Heath, Heath was dead and there's no way. Exactly. Do we, have to account. do we have any evidence of where Dickens' dossier went to? No. But I mean, uh, I mean, Leon Britton is another dubious character. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. We did lots on lots and lots. But I need to talk about today, Andrew. We have got children in Wales who they they they're the second they're the third part of the introduction of this RSEP sheet education. They are going full guns. They haven't brought it in for the secondary olds, the second secondary school kids yet. They're bringing it in for the three year olds. Now, Kath's in Wales. She she was what brought me in to standing alongside these incredible parents. Matt, do you just want to explain to Andrew? I'm sure he knows, but you've done a lot of digging, looking at the companies that are providing this education that are going into the schools and where this education has come from. So, Andrew, I'm going to pass you to Catherine, and then I would love your comments. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Just uh, briefly then, my job, I suppose, is to... You know, we've got this education. It was very clear, very obvious that it's highly inappropriate, highly hypersexualized, shouldn't be around children. So my job is to was to find out why it even came into the classroom and where did it come from? Because it can't just come from nowhere. So I traced it back, and there's a lot of people speaking out about this now, thankfully, because they really do need to understand where this has come from. This is not new. This is an agenda that's been here for about 100 years, but made most popular post-World War II by a scientist, and I say that very loosely, um, called Alfred Kinsey. Now, the reason we've got sex education from age three at the moment is because the people who put this together, which is the WHO, the World Health Organization, and the United Nations, UNESCO, they are they, all the way through their documentation, they state that we are sexual beings from birth. The who actually say we're sexual beings from in the womb. Now, when you look at their documentation and the organizations involved, the, the data, the raw data they've got, they've, that they've made that um, assumption, it's not true, obviously it's not true, but they've made that um, statement on is Alfred Kinsey's work. Now, when you look at Alfred Kinsey's work, which is, I know uh, that's, I've written blogs and done a lot of research on Alfred Kinsey. It's absolutely shocking. Well, he's totally dis his, his research is totally discredited, isn't it? No, it's not. This is the problem. It is by the likes of us because we know what it is, but they still reference Alfred Kinsey today. So in, in the publications, the Kinsey reports, I don't know if you're familiar with those, which is where he got the data from, where basically, in a nutshell, without going into too much detail, him and his associates paid paedophiles to abuse children as young as two months of age and class their responses as in screams, crying, hitting out, fainting, convulsing as orgasms, saying that we are sexual from birth. Now, this is actually in the publications. It's in a site. It's, it's all the way littered, all the way through academia. It actually changed the, mod, the um, American Law Institute's model penal code in the 1950s and 60s. It was responsible for the mainstream pornography. Everything we're seeing today has come from Alfred Kinsey, or at least he made it mainstream. There were people who had ideas before him, like Freud and um, 
Michel Foucault and people like him. But Alfred Kinsey was the one to make it mainstream. So basically, from that data of child sex abuse, this is where they've got the idea that we're sexual from birth. Now, the reason that, it, that I know that Alfred Kinsey's work, well, the Kinsey Institute is still there today. It's still um, highly, um, you know, what's the word? Uh, celebrated, actually. They were last year. with Tavistock. Yeah, Tavistock as well. I mean, all of this comes through John Money as well, another another paedophile, um, the gender identity, the father of gender identity. Um, so the reason we know that it comes from there, because people will argue this point and say, well, how does a man who did research back in the 1940s, who died in 1956, have any influence over today's education? Well, the man, there was, he didn't write them on his own. He co-authored with a few men. One of them was called Wardell Pomeroy. Wardell Pomeroy went on to found, be one of the founders of SICAS, Sexual Information Education Council of the United States, who write the, the global sex education. So they write for the UN, they write for the World Health Organization. And all of four UK governments signed up to this very education on the 1st of March, 2017. All of them, Scotland, England, Wales and Ireland. And, it's and they reference Kinsey, don't they, in, in their publications? Well, while they did, they were very clever not to do that. But because I am, I know the Kinsey Institute inside out and the people who are related to it, if you go on the World Health Organization document, this is the this is the big one, the one that they all use. This is the actual framework for it. If you go into the bibliography, they were very careful not to write Kinsey Institute or even Kinsey's name because they would probably realise that people would find that information. So what they did, and it's only because I know, like I say, I know what I'm looking for. In the bibliography of the WHO document, it's got John Bancroft. And all it says is Bloomington University, Indiana. Now, John Bancroft was the was the um, director of the Kinsey Institute for 10 years. And the Bloomington, Indiana is where the Kinsey, Kinsey Institute is actually situated. So they do reference. And when I read, I well, Kim bought the book and she sent it straight to me because she knew she knows I would read it straight away. So the book that they referenced in there is called Sexual Development in Childhood, written by John Bancroft and others. I read it and they reference Alfred Kinsey all the way through it. So this is where this information has come from. This is all based on child sexual abuse. None of it is, is uh, you know, uh, it's all unethical. It's all criminal. And this is what we're seeing. And the reason they're saying they brought the, the in any way, they tried to say was for a from a safety point of view. Yes, you know, safeguarding. Safeguarding to stop early pregnancy and this, that, and stop STIs. Well, then why are they bringing it in for the three-year-olds and not the, not the set? Well, they are bringing it in for the secondary age children, but not as, um, you know, as they're not until a couple of years time. They're actually bringing it in for the three-year-olds first. Now they're doing that. So by the time they get to age 11, secondary school age, they will be completely desensitized to all of this and all of it will be normal. And it uh, is so worrying and they go in full pelt with it. You know, it's been- really, I phoned up two primary schools this morning, Andrew. Uh, one primary school was very, she was a bit jittery on the phone and she needed to go and check with people. Uh, but it's all age appropriate. And uh, I said, well, we, we all know a child at that age, they all develop at different times. And as a parent, I want my child, I made out I was going to bring my child to their school. And I don't want my child's innocence taken away. And I don't want anybody discussing anything sexual or any, any such subjects with my child, because that is my job. Yep. And uh, the second school I called, she, they put me straight to the head because really these 
These receptionists should have the answers on the phone for concerned parents, but they're not even trained. So I get through, get put through to the actual head teacher of the school on a Monday morning. And it was at what, nine o'clock I did that. So uh, they're obviously concerned. And he said, well, we're just a government school. We just get the programming and uh, we just got to do what we're told. Mm-hmm. So that to me, oh, that's haven't the haven't the, haven't the U, UN bought for or sponsored a paper that recommends that countries don't have a minimum age for uh, sexual consent? Yeah, yeah. So they, they basically, I mean, what they've done is they they say they decriminalising sex between adults and minors if the minor consents, and they can't, at the same they time, can't tie up their shoe. They can't tie their shoelaces and they're supposed to give sex. They're, they're supposed to be able to give consent. And anyone who challenges that is homophobic or the usual a racist or, you know, and well, these children. They're, well, they're, 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 called, they're, they're trying to call them minor attracted people. Well, yeah. you show me a minor attracted person, I'll show you a paedophile. Exactly. Yeah. That's what. what and the thing Andrew? is, they're teaching, they're teaching consent. So they're teaching negotiation skills to three-year-olds, right? Now, you don't teach negotiation skills to children where this is concerned because that's a predator's paradise. The well, predator also, doesn't have to do the, it. Uh, it's against the Education Act to indoctrinate children. And this exactly. is indoctrination. Well, this is and what, what we teachers are doing. Yeah. This is what we took the judicial review for last year. But well, they, I don't know if you know that we took, the, what, those Welsh parents took the judicial review um, I last told him. November. Oh, so we, you know he knows all about the case. He knows that you yeah. got to come down because he's obviously he's working with lovely Lawrence now, and Lawrence has highlighted. And um, he came to the event. He knew we, you knew we were in Parliament that day, didn't you? But you couldn't come down because it was PNQs when we were outside. And I spoke to Andrew, told him about the decision that we haven't mm. got the right to appeal. So really, Andrew, what do we do next? How on earth to to good, hardworking parents because majority in this people in this country are good people are playing the system because they're allowed to play the system they've been given that opportunity to play but the majority of people in this country i would think are hard working just want to bring up their family that is what this country is the reason we have the trouble is because of the people in power who are letting it happen well you you, you heard my question to the prime minister a I couple did. of weeks ago Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister agree that it's completely inappropriate for schools to encourage young people under the age of 18 to socially transition, for example by changing their names and their pronouns? All this is going on without parental consent or even knowledge in breach of parents' uh, human rights. Will the Prime Minister instruct the Department of Education to order schools to stop indoctrinating our children and to concentrate on their duty of care to protect them? Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I've, I've been very clear that when it comes to matters of sexual education and PHSC, it is absolutely right that schools are sensitive in how they teach those matters and that they should be done in an age-appropriate fashion. The Department of Education is currently reviewing the statutory guidance and curriculum that goes to schools so we can tackle this particular issue, because there have been uh, cases raised with the government and others where this has not been, where this has not been the case. I do not think that is acceptable. We must protect our children, and that is what our new guidance will do. And uh, you heard his response, so a bit of fence sitting, but he ultimately had to come down and say, we've got to protect the children. Yeah. Uh, and then a week later, but, that happens. A week well, later. Well, I mean, but Rishi Sunak is the prime minister. If he decided tomorrow this was not going to happen anymore, it wouldn't be happening anymore, I can assure exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I'm, I've got a slot now for a 10-minute rule motion. 
on the 27th, Tuesday the 27th yeah. of June. And I'm bring for, bringing forward a bill, uh, which I'll explain to the House, or I'm asking permission to bring forward a bill to protect children from, um, from this um, transitioning in schools. And we can extend it a bit to uh, protection from um, uh, sex education at an inappropriate age. And also it gives protections that parents have to know exactly what's going on in the schools. I mean, we just been... received a book this morning, Andrew. Well, it's actually in the Daily Mail this morning where it's talking about bondage and my my proud grandfather. And there's a picture there in it for three-year-olds of men dressed in leather bikinis kissing. Yeah. And do you know what they actually say? I'm just going to read a quote from this, this because I was just like, this is what I've been trying to say. Um, it says, so basically there's two men in bondage gear kissing. Now, this is a book for four to seven-year-olds, right? Four-year-olds, and basically okay. they've, they've decided the publisher is stuck by the author and said, you know, you're homophobic if you, um, if you don't... If you, you disagree know, if with you this. Disagree with <laughs> you're homophobic. And it says here, um, I just thought it was quite shocking, that we discussed the images... Of, this is really shocking. And uh, we discussed the images of the Pride Parade during our stringent and robust editorial process and decided collectively that we should show a true representation of what a Pride March looks like and what the many children who attend these events will see. So they say in there, and I knew this anyway, that at these Pride events, it's highly inappropriate. You've got men walking around in gimp masks, for goodness sake. This is not children shouldn't be anywhere near these events. No any of them. It's, it's I totally agree. We've got to stop it. You know, we have got this, what, what humanity, 100 years from now, are going to look back and see what, what we're doing. I mean... Well, the, lun- the lunatics have taken over the asylum. They have. They? Yeah. And we've got to stop it for our children. Every and this is supposed to be a conservative danger. government. I mean... I know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, I mean, most, most of my constituents in North West Asia will be appalled by this. And we can't, you know, because we've spoken out, I am unemployable. I have been told that I cannot get a job. And I'm, I'm you know, okay, I was privately, ed- my, my parents were well off. I, I was privately educated. I was well educated. I am unable to get, because I am too dangerous. Because Same I don't me. have LGBT flags flying. And because I'm, I'm, I'm a mum, you know. And well, my anybody, anybody who goes up. against... Anybody who goes against the narrative, whether that's the vaccine harms or uh, the LBGTQ, whatever it's got to now, agenda, uh, and you're just, they just try and silence you. And the doctors are getting paid, you know, during the COVID, go back. The whole system is so corrupt. Surely there must have doctors being aware that injecting an experimental drug into the population without any testing could be dangerous. They didn't look at natural ways. They didn't want to. It was all planned. Well, the, science was, the science was all wrong. Natural it's immunity, the, the, the natural immunity from having the infection. Most most people have, have had COVID at least once. I've had it twice. Um, that's far, far better immunity than any vaccine. But this is where the insanity is going. They're, in, they're injecting people. And these people need to be behind prison. I mean, doctors were being paid to do it. And the doctors still went ahead. You're telling me that every GP in this country just believe what the government, there must be somebody there. with. If I realised that, hang on, it looks like it's just the flu, I'm a chronic asthmatic, 
I've had the flu. I got a bit ill and I, I got better in three days, but they're injecting it. If I, little old me can do that, there must be GPs out. The COVID-19 uh, virus has attenuated with Omicron. It's little more than a cold now. And, and most coronaviruses are colds anyway. Why are we still vaccinated? Well, why has the, the, the government now just pushed the mandate for um, children with um, health concerns yeah. under the age uh, of They're five. the most vulnerable. Because the thing is, yeah, when, exactly. anybody, when anybody's ill, all they're doing is they're detoxing toxins that are in their body and people interfere with that. So a vaccine is completely irrelevant my, for any disease anyway, because that's not how disease works. So when you're injecting anything into the body, yeah. including, you know, heavy metals and... Uh, you know, all sorts of formaldehyde, which they they tell you, the National Institute of Health tell you not to breathe that in, yet they put that in a vaccine. But in all vaccines, this is the thing, I hope people have had a look at the vaccine industry as a whole I, now over the last three years because it's all poison and it's just was, a money-making the thing. The point bringing the children in with the vaccine is doctors, if that had happened, if in, in anybody had normal time, if you if a doctor is injecting somebody with an unknown substance and things started going wrong, back in the day, that doctor would be struck off and there'd be a massive payout and there would be uproar. Years ago, if there was a teacher going into school talking about such personal things with, with children, that teacher, I would have thought back 10 years ago, would have probably been struck off and not allowed to go next. Well, I think, now I think the, measure, the measure, the measure, measure of any society is how you look after your old people and how you look after your of children. Your children, thank and you. I, and quite honestly, I think um, you know we are completely on the wrong track, and history will be very harsh. What can on, we do, society? What can everyday people like us do? You've got to get, to you've got to get all your supporters to, to lobby their MPs very, very hard. We've got a general election coming up in the next twelve months, and yeah. that's what they're going to pay attention to. So, uh, as I've said many times, you know, when when the when the people are scared of the politicians, that's tyranny. And that's where we are now. The people yes. are scared. My, my constituents are scared. They know what's they know there's something seriously wrong with the vaccine. They're worried because we've all taken it. They're wondering what's going to happen next. Um, but at the end of the day, there are some of us in Parliament who know what's going on. And while I've got a voice, I'm going to speak out and say what I believe is right, because I think we're in we're in biblical times at the moment, ladies. Yeah, we certainly are. We There's so no doubt about that at all. It is. Just, no, I was just going to say it's a battle between good and evil going on. It's just it isn't about the politics of right and of, of right and left anymore. It is about right and wrong. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Many of the measures this government have brought in are are plain wrong. Yeah. So, Andrew, is, with regards to reclaim, let's go back to this. I mean, you and Lawrence, if you could, I mean. You've got you've got the right message. You've got my support. Um, we unfortunately we need constituency in every constituents in every county here. I, I know, mean, but, but the problem is that the, the 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 powers that be have put pressure on. We can't even get a bank account to pay money into for our party, despite being a fully constituted, legally sanctioned mm -hmm. party by the electoral commission. We can't get a bank that will let us pay money in. They won't take our money. Crazy. This is insanity. Crazy. This something's got there has to be. I mean, I said this to an American the other day. Like, what is going on over there? Their borders, something needs to be done immediately. It's not, it's not just even in the UK. Here. These these appalling things, which you could say it's if it's a mistake, but these mistakes are being made by every government around the world. I spoke to some yeah. very switched on uh, Australian senators about two months ago on a Zoom call, and 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 they've got 
transsexuals going into their schools exactly the same as over in the UK. Yeah, worldwide. How are we going to battle this? If you guys, who are the only ones really in politics, okay, you've got the other ones that, you know, the other post-Brexit ones, uh, who are they? The not reclaim, what are they called? Reform, is it? Reform, you know, but really how, just with two people, you know, two constituents, that's not going to work. What are we going to do, Andrew? It, it, I don't well, I think, see I think a lie. Just we've just got to all say no. I mean, no is a small word, yeah. um, but if enough people say no, um, then it can't happen, can it? Yeah, I think the point is they need to know about it to the degree that we know about it, because, you know, some people think, oh, yeah, you know, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I am convinced and I always say this as much as I lose my temper and get a bit frustrated sometimes because people are just not moving in that direction. Not really. If they really understood where this came from, if they understood what this is based upon, they would all get up and start doing something. So this is why we're constantly censored on this topic, especially this topic, because there's no arguing with it. There's no debating it. It is what it is. It's, it's quite blatantly obvious what they're doing. So rather than give us any airtime to expose this stuff, they just shut us down because they don't want people to even know what it is. Do you know what I mean? So I think, again, well, we've got a, we've got... game. So the, we think we're living in an open and free democracy. Oh, um, not. <laughs> we're a lot. We're a lot further on the road to being China than. Uh, oh yeah. Than people think. Absolutely. Yeah, we Absolutely. are. I totally agree with you there. Yeah. What's I'm next in. for you, Andrew? What's what's your what's what's going on for you to, up until the next election? What's your focus? I know you're focusing on the children and COVID, but where can you see the next? You know, the well, I'm also I'm also opposing. I'm leading the opposition to the WHO um, pandemic treaty or accord, which will give sovereignty to the WHO. They'll be able to call a uh, public health emergency of international concern, take all the powers to control our right, country, suspend our democracy and accountability. Yeah. Uh, that's another arm of the uh, of the United Nations. I think the United Nations is completely bought yeah. and paid for. Oh, um, they have been for uh, a long time. Yeah. You've also got the the they're using also, there's also the the fear of this um, you know global warming they're scaring the kids to death oh, with that yeah nonsense um, again there is, there is no climate emergency well, the figures came out uh, only the other week between 2009 and 2019 the ice sheets in Antarctica increased in size they haven't decreased exactly Andrew it's they're nonsense. either going to say global warming or the other way it's you know everyone was going to die I look back at papers back in the 40s oh we've it's had it because there's going to be another ice age. Yeah, no, that's they what keep... they told me when I was at school. We were we are actually in, in the warm part of a uh, uh, we're in an interglacial period. Well, the last time we had a an ice age, my constituency it was under a, more than a mile of ice. I don't want that coming back. I can assure you. Uh, um, but this so... is it. It was David Bellamy, one there, who, who actually said because he was on the telly. Look what all they the did time, to him. Yeah, and as soon as he said, actually, this is just a cycle of you know weather. They were like, yeah, you can go. We don't want you back on the telly anymore. You know, they gave us David Attenborough. Meanwhile, let's give let's give um, let's give a pay rise to Rolf Harris and Co. They all come via this. That's what's hilarious is David Bellamy was great. He spoke the truth and they, they destroyed him. Yeah. Meanwhile, everybody else that comes through the BBC carry on to. Oh, we know where it goes, don't we? Yeah. That's the other thing that needs to be got rid of is the BBC. So, yeah. Well, I think the whole of the whole of the mainstream media, yeah, um, I mean, they they are completely committed to the false narratives which they've perpetuated and uh, used as propaganda. 
I mean, they're, they're completely discredited. But I mean, the BBC News, they, they lost 10% of their viewers in the last six months. They're not coming back. No, they're uh, not. Be- because people just don't believe it anymore. Good, because they need to not believe it and need to get it. Done. I mean, I mean, the people know that they're being lied to. Yeah. Uh, the people who are doing the lying actually know the people know that they're being lied to. <laughs> yeah. And they're still yeah. lying. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> but there are, there are other sources. But obviously, you know, the other sources of news and information off the internet. But I mean, the, the governments around the world are looking at a big crackdown on that so they can neutralise that as well. Mm. Um we need it's, more uh, people standing up in their own areas, don't they? Running for, running for election, really. Yes. We need more. We need more independence, and uh, it's it's pretty clear to me the the, the two party system, well, is well, completely broken. And and if if someone's influencing and and controlling both the major parties, it doesn't matter who wins, does it? Exactly. Exactly. It's more so what can we do to help, Andrew? What, where can people look at your stuff that you're doing and following what you're doing? Well, they can follow me. Uh, uh, they can follow me. Follow me on Twitter at uh, at a Bridgen. Uh, They can have a look at the Reclaim Party website, and they can you know show their support and get involved. Um, we've got um, it, it, we're on, we're in biblical times. This in the next eighteen months. If yeah. all these treaties are passed with the WHO and the amendments to the international health regulations and the uh, censorship comes in, I mean, you know, and also digital ID, the digital currency, they'll, you know, the power the state will have um, and the low traffic neighbourhoods, 15 minute neighbourhoods. I mean, if they were really about local amenities, they'd be putting the local amenities in first, but they always put the cameras and the bollards in first. Thank, thank um, you. Thank you, Blair, you murderer. Well, you see. Ugh. At the end, of, at the end, end of the day, uh, it's all about control. And I think they've looked. I think the, you know people have looked at the way that China works, and it's a capitalist system, and people, corporations, make lots of money, and the people are uh, very, very suppressed. I think they think that's the best way of of dealing with the population, and it appears to be, you know, adopt, being adopted incrementally across the whole of the Western world. Well, that's a very dark future, and I'm not it very keen on it for, for my children. Andrew, mm. I just want to mention that the, also the politicised the, the politicisation of our services. You know, you've got you've got police cars now driving around with rainbow flags on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got within the military. I mean, these people they're not supposed to be because at the end of the day, this LGBT thing it, it has been made political. It yeah, has been, massively. Right? The police. The armed forces. Yeah, we've got to take we've got to take the politics out of all public services. They, Thank you. The only the only flag that a public building should be able to fly is is the union flag. Thank you, Andrew Bridgen. You are a treasure, and we need more of you. We do. <laughs> So thank you so much for coming on and spend and just spending that little bit of time with us. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. God bless you, Andrew. Thank, thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Take Keep care. Bye. Keep the faith and keep fighting. Yeah, and we're Thank right you behind you. You've got, a, you've got a warrior of mothers right behind you, just so you know. Well, that sounds unbeatable. It does. <laughs> <Right>. Mummy bears. See <laughs> you later, Andrew. Take care. Thank you, Andrew. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, Kat, what a fantastic guest. What oh, bless it. That was a really good, great interview, wasn't it? Thank you for listening. Get behind Andrew Bridgen. He he needs every everyone's support out there because he's he's in that parliament room, standing alone, fighting for everything that we believe in. 
yeah is absolutely. He a cat? what did you think he, yeah he is a good guy he is a good guy and he's actually doing something do you know what i mean which is it's not just lip said. service because that's yeah what exactly a lot of nowadays exactly. lip service yes exactly so, love we'll do that so what's going on with pcp wales darling well you and i'll have a quick catch up now um Okay. Okay. Um, well, I've actually, I've been, I've had my head in the, I don't know if I told you, but I was, I watched a, a I saw like an advert, not an advert, a trailer. I saw a trailer the other day, Amer- some American documentary. And in it, they were basically talking about where the sex ed comes from and it comes from Alfred Kinsey and whatever else. I was like, oh, brilliant. Cause this looks like a, you know, a proper production. You, do you know what I mean? So yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. people are going to hear about it more. And he was holding a book, right? And the book he was holding was called The Seeker's Circle, right? Yeah. And I thought, oh, and this was written in 1977, this book. So I was like, okay, I need that. So I went on, had a look. It was a little bit expensive. I went to Kim, like I always do, because she seems to find the PDFs for me. She found the PDF. It's about 520 pages, right? But this basically breaks down. So back in the 60s when Seeker's was set up, which was obviously in 1964, Right. And you add the likes of Mary Calderon, who was um, she was director of Planned Parenthood for 11 years prior to Seekers being set up. So this book is basically about all the organizations involved and what their goal was. And oh, my God, Lou, I don't know if you've seen my statuses the last couple of days, but I've sort of been putting stuff up, quoting what, what they're saying, just so people understand that this is something that's been going on for a long time and that none of these organisations have any benefit to us at all. And they're all communists and all humanists. And what I found, well, you know they're taking God out anyway, right? That's quite obvious to us here now. However, when you look back further, that that was the intention all along. The yeah. humanists and the communists came along and they knew they had to take God out. And the reason they had to take God out was to make things so that they didn't have a, a, a fixed moral compass, right? So anything goes. Like we're seeing now, that anything go attitude. They even wrote it down in words, saying things like, we need to liberate children from their parents, which is exactly yeah. what they've done, right? And like I said, this was in the 1960s. I'm just going to read a couple to you, right? Just because they're very relevant to... To what's going on today. I just want people to understand that this has been going on a long time, right? So basically, the strategy of Seekers calls for a break. Now, bearing in mind out to the listeners, Seekers are the ones who write the global sex education. They write for the UN and they write for the WHO. So just to make that connection with our sex education. The strategy of Seekers calls for a breaking down of moral values by sensitivity training reinforced with steady doses of situation ethics, right? So situation ethics are basically what they're saying is the morals depend on the situation, right? Which is a load of crap because you could, you could twist that any way you want to, which they have done as we've seen. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Erotica and humanistic ideology. It's thrust is apparently aimed at preparing Western civilization for a new lifestyle, which is to include everything from the new morality to total moral degeneracy. Now, that's back in the 60s, right? So that this is how far we've come. This is a quote. Using specialised advisory committees, SICUS will develop teaching standards and syllabi for professional schools and public schools at all levels and also plans to conduct its own teaching institutes 
for the continuing education of physicians, teachers, social workers, etc. That was in 1965. So this is the thing. The people that are included in this are those doctors and, and teachers and, you know, physicians and social workers that they said they were going to train and they've been doing it for decades. So we're at a stage. This is why, you know, when people say, oh, you know, how do they do it and why are teachers teaching it well they've been trained by CS basically and let's not forget just for your list just for our listeners as well right CS is funded by big pornography I'll say no more like do you know what I mean yeah. why have big pornography got an interest in sex education and we know we know we know because we keep talk, telling people all the time about the pornography side of things they're showing it to kids anyway but young teenagers, they're not teaching them the consequence of pornography, ladies and gentlemen. They're teaching them how pleasurable it can be and different types of pornography and which, you know, is, is part of a healthy relationship. And we know that that's an absolute nonsense. That's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. And the opposite is the case. It's so dangerous. It's dangerous to the, to the adult mind, extremely dangerous to the child mind and to society as a whole. We're looking at societal collapse. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's, just, that's quite I evident. I so, think we need to do a full show on this maybe later. If you want to love, I'm, I'm about, I'm, yeah. Andrew was brilliant and I want to kind of package it for Andrew. Yeah. So yeah, libertytactics.co.uk, we do need your help. I know everyone's been so generous with PCP Wales, amazing, but we we do need some help as well. We've just paid out the £200 to keep the website up online <clears throat> and that we can do it. Um so if you can support us, um, yeah. but obviously if you can't put your and you, you can only support one person, send it to Public Child Protection Wales. Um, they're doing all they can to fight for the children. We're just on the other side. So it's all about the children. So, and obviously for all of Catherine's brogs, exposing the lie dot info. Yeah, if you can find it, because it is... You can get to it via libertytactics.co.uk yeah. on, the, on the right of our page. As soon as you hit on the page, you will see Exposing the Lie. So click yeah. on that. It will take you straight to Catherine's blogs. Oh, brilliant. That's great. That is, Lou. I appreciate that because some people are finding it really difficult to find. Yeah, well, that's all they need to do. It's always been there. It's yeah. on the front page. As soon as you hit the home page of Liberty Tactics, you will see on the right-hand side of your page... Um, exposing the live blog so thank you everybody and we will probably be back later on thank you guys you can hate me try to break me talk me down and denigrate me you can try to silence every word but i will not be leaving quietly Smart me, you can shame me and try to blame me. You can do your best to shut me up, but I will not be leaving quietly now. I won't leave. 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 I won't leave
censor and label and troll me. You can push me and try to kick me out, but I will not be leaving quietly. No, I won't leave. I won't leave. I will not be leaving quietly. You can mute me, strike and dispute me, dumb down the rest. Yeah, but I'll keep refusing. You can pretend like you've seen the last of me. But I will not. 